0: Listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, New Chapel. Welcome to the last part of our series that we call Just getting started. My name is Joe. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, They gave you stuff to take notes with. Now's the time. Pull that out. That's that little weekly you received when you walked in the door. Uh, And if you don't uh, have one of those, you can grab that little connection card and I give you permission just this once. You can use the back of that connection card. We take notes at New Chapel. Why? Because we believe God has something to say to us. And I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I'm of the ripe old age of, uh, well, I'm not going to say, and, and I don't want to forget everybody, and so uh, make sure that you take notes today. I believe God has something for you. This series has been this journey, really, of reciting some of the great things God has done in the past and also really talking about some of the great themes that are going to make us great moving forward, the, the vision that God has both for our lives individually and also as a church, how we can be people building our lives On His Word, and and that's what we're called to do. Write that down. We're called to build our lives on a series of truths from God's Word. That is the heart. That's the focus of the series. You know, last week was amazing. If you missed it, you missed our 10th birthday. How many of y'all enjoyed our 10th birthday? That was great, right? Yeah. Uh, I had a blast, and we had hamburgers, hot dogs, the whole deal, and the Michigan weather put no damper on the party. One thing I loved about last week was we had Pastor Gabe with us with a great word, and And in between first service and second service, my favorite thing happened. So uh, I'm getting ready to come in for second service, but someone was a first time visitor during our first service, and they told one of our leaders, Hey, I got to get my life right with God. And they did. And then they said, I got to get baptized. And so, in between first and second service, I was late for coming in for worship on second service last week because we did a baptism out there in the lobby. It was awesome. Yeah, why not, right? And I'm going to tell off a little bit. This is the first time this has ever happened, and it was so funny. Uh, So, this guy that was going to get baptized, pretty tall dude. And, and you have to understand, I'm Italian, which is, by the way, the ideal height, but uh, I'm the shortest pastor in Grand Rapids, I'm sure. They're all seven-foot Dutch guys, you know what I mean? They're scraping the ceilings, and, and so this guy, he's massive, big, tall dude. He wants to get baptized, and he's getting into our tub, which is balmy warm, and I'm like, bro, you got to scoot more towards me, and he's like, not getting it. And it's like, come on, and that was Pastor Brian's cue to like, kind of push him down the line, you know what I mean? And, and so I'm doing my, my thing. I'm like, I baptize you. And, and, and so I'm going through the whole deal. And he goes down, and Pastor Brian hits his big old head on the step. The guy goes, oh, like that. But it meant that he couldn't go underwater. And I've trained Pastor Brian that we do baptisms by full immersion. So he goes, mm, like that. He takes them under. The guy's, the guy's going like this. He gets up, and he gets up victorious. And we're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And... He gets up, and everyone's celebrating, and he leans over while everybody's celebrating. He he says this to Pastor Brian, you owe me one. (laughs) But I love moments like that. And why do we love baptisms at New Chapel? It's because we see ourselves in them. We remember what it was like. It's a win. We know what God is doing to bring a person to that spot. And it is so energizing because we're like, yes, that's the bullseye. That's right where you need to be. And there's something about that that I want to talk about today. You know, today's message is going to be more about lending that vision for our personal lives and our church. But it's going to be vision. It's going to be the bullseye center of that vision. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, if you would, chapter 29. And this is like the seminal scripture you'd think of when you think of vision. And it's actually talking a little bit about what happens when you don't have it. It says this in Proverbs 29. I'm going to read in verse 18. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now that's King James version, authorized version. Anybody grew up with that? And, and maybe you're a person who snuck a nearly inspired version into my church, the NIV. Uh, they're useful sometimes, but if you have NIV, what it would say is where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. So you say, well, do they perish? Sometimes they do, but sometimes they perish. Like on the inside, the lights go out. Something dies. They should start living life but going through the motions. They cast off restraint. So when you don't have dynamic, white-hot vision for your life, what happens? You just, whatever. I-I-W-I-I, Pastor Joe. It is what it is. I -I don't know. You you cast off that restraint and direction. Why? Because you're not aiming at anything. There's no vision that's there. Now, the word vision in this passage, it is the Bible word kazan, the Hebrew word kazan. And here's what it means. Jot this down. It's a dream. It's a revelation. And here's what it is. It's a specific vision for your life. So so what God is saying in his word is like, if you don't have that thing, if you don't have your bullseye on lock, if you don't know why you're here, there's going to be an aimlessness, a drifting sensation to your life, and a lot of just whatever. And most of us in the room have gotten to that spot at least at one point in our life. I have. I get it. But here's what the Bible kind of conveys it looks like when you have the vision. Maybe you've had a season like this. Maybe you haven't. We'll give you a picture of what it looks like. It's in Psalm 126. The Bible says this. It says, When the Lord restored the fortress of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Everybody say the word "dreamed." dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. What's happening? That dream is there. They know why they're here. They've got the bullseye in sight, and they're like, yes. They're laughing. They're high-fiving. They're they're, they're kidding. It's a life that's light, and they might have big things to do. God's restoring the fortunes of Zion. This is like big, big fireworks in the Bible, but they're saying it's all good. Why? Because the dream is in place. Like when God was active in my life, Pastor Joe, it stirred that dreaming in me, and I want that for you. I want you to leave here today and have that sensation of a God dream again. Maybe for the first time, I want it. Now, what's interesting about that passage where it said the word dream, we were like those that dreamed, it very easily could have been, and in other parts of the Bible is, translated that word dream as health. Like the most healthy that you're going to be in your Christian walk is when you're trekking with that God dream. It's It's where you have a dream for your marriage. It's where you have a dream for your job, for your home. Are you with me, everybody? And so many people think that they're battling the thing, right? I'm battling my boss. It's just awful. Or I'm battling depression, Pastor Joe. Or I'm I'm battling the fact that I didn't get the credential or the education. I'm battling this thing, and it's really difficult. And you think you're battling things, but you're actually battling a lack of vision. And a lack of clarity of what God has for you in this life. Now, Acts chapter 2 is very telling for many reasons. It's very dear uh, scripture for New Chapel especially. But it says this in Acts 2.17. In the last days, and that's where you're living. If you're wondering, just a little like, you know, define the relationship. Where we at? Time out. You're in the last days, okay? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. On all people. Pause, everybody. If I was to finish that verse, what would I say? I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all people, and we are gonna have a ton of salvations. We are gonna have a ton of healings. We are gonna have a big time revival. That's what I would finish that with, but God doesn't. Here's what God says. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. What is that talking about? You're going to get a unique, tailored God word for your life and know what you're supposed to be doing. Like, like I'm going to pour it out. And it uses the word sons and daughters. God's spirit never rested on women in the Old Testament. Now he's saying, oh, that's where I'm living and they're going to have the word of the Lord. Our young men will see vision, and this is going to bridge the generational gap because old men are going to dream dreams. God says, when I pour my spirit out, it's going to be prophecy, it's going to be vision, and it's going to be dream. You say, well, Pastor Joe, wait a second. What about the revival? What about the salvation? It is a byproduct of Jesus' church having prophecy, vision, and dream, having that God, bullseye, vision, center of God's will thing, Active in your life. When you have that, all the revival's gonna happen. Are you with me, everybody? So that's what God has for us, that's what He has for you. It's a result. And so the Bible's showing us this need for clarity, it's showing us this need for vision. And it says this, I love it in the message version. In a message, by the way, is not a translation of the Bible. You always need to know that. It is, it is uh, based on a translation. So somebody read the translation, and they interpreted it kind of how we speak. Okay, So you got to weigh it out. But this is what it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 29. In the message, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, what do they do? They stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, what happens? Friend, that's where you're going to be most blessed. Why are you stumbling? Why are you tripping on things? Why did something so small set you off this past week, this past month? Why did you get into a fight with your spouse about stupid stuff? Well, you're set off because you can't see what God's doing. If you could see what God is doing behind the scenes, you wouldn't have fallen prey. You wouldn't have taken the bait in the trap. Are you you with me, everybody? And when you see what he sees, when when you see what he wants you to see, when you attend to what he reveals, that's where your blessing is. So, we're blessed when we know what God has for our life. That's what we're looking for. Now, here's my belief. I believe a lot of people are aiming. Like, you've got your sights set on something. I think even a lot of people are hitting targets. My concern is that it may not be the right target. In 2004... Uh, the Olympic Games were held in Athens, which Olympic geeks love because it was the origin of the Olympian Games, and they're very excited about it. And as they went through all the different uh, competitions, it came to the marksmanship. It was the rifle And it was a three-stage, and so they were doing this target practice from a very long distance. It was 15 meters, and they would do it three different ways. They would be on their stomach, and they would fire from the ground, and then they would be seated for the next round, and they would fire and, and be scored on wherever it landed, and then they would also have to stand. And steady themselves. And each one of those, if you've never shot a gun before, has different variables to it. And and your breath is going to act in different ways. And and you might have more of a propensity to your breath when you're on your stomach to be lifting you up and down. And so what these men do is they train intensely on, on how to manage these shots. They are able through training, they are able to get into position and slow their own heart rate down. They're not only able to slow their own heart rate down, and this is known by many people, including hunters, but they take a deep breath, they let it out, and at the bottom of the breath, they'll let their trigger finger kind of surprise them is how we say it. But even more than that, at the Olympics, they've not only trained themselves to slow their heart rate, but they're able to fire in between heartbeats so that even the beating of your heart, moving your chest, wouldn't have an effect on the mark. It's very, very detailed. There was a man named Matthew Emmons that was competing in this, along with many others. And all the other guys said, well, man, if Matt's doing this, there's no way. I mean, the best we're going to be able to come in is silver or bronze. I mean, he's going to take gold. It's what's going to happen. And boy, were they right. When they did it on their belly, and then when they did it seated, everything was in line. All Matthew Emmons had to do was hit it anywhere on the circle, and he would be taking home gold. So Matthew Emmons, he got into position. He's standing up. He has his rifle up. He slows his heart rate through his training, takes his time, deep breath, in between heartbeats, lets the trigger surprise him. It goes off, and it is dead center in the middle of the bullseye on the wrong target. This is what his face looked like, by the way. (laughs) What? He hits on the wrong target, and he goes, what? He went from first place to eighth place because he hit the wrong target. And my friend, listen to me. See that face? I've looked at that face my entire ministry. I've had people come to me and be like, Pastor Joe, I I thought things were going well in my marriage. but she. I thought things were going well in my job. I thought I went to the right school, but? And they get surprised. Because a lot of people, you're aiming in life, but some of y'all are aiming at the wrong thing. And I don't want you to get to heaven and be like, eh? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I was bullseye. I was knocking them out of the park. And God says, I never called you to that target. I called you to this target. And do you see it, everybody? We, we don't want to be that way. So what do we do? We don't just aim. We're not, we, that's being aimless, truly. You aiming on whatever you want to aim at it comes with a lot of liabilities, but you saying, God, what do you have for me? And you honing in those crosshairs on that, that's where the success is. Amen, somebody? I believe this. Many people hit the wrong thing, and they don't have to. D.L. Moody, the great theologian, he said this, Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. Oh, that's very heavy. Because if you're the guy that is just nonstop reps or you're, you're doing all the slam dunks in your area and the thing that you want to do, you want to know that you're in the center of God's will. And I'm, I'm not trying to take out the ground underneath you. That's not my goal today. Well, for some of you it is. But I'm not, I'm not trying to make you undermine everything. But I want you to reevaluate and say, God, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? We want the right target. My belief is that everybody ends up somewhere. Write this down. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. So the bullet's going down the range. It's going to hit something. Like it's going to fall, if nothing else. Are you aimed at the right thing? I believe God has answers for all of this. Now, I have brought this paradigm, the, the arc of the story to this church Over my entire ministry today, I'm going to present it to you in such a way that is a little bit different. And I believe this, if it's anything like our previous service, it's going to unlock things in your heart, because my belief is this. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to allow Jesus to make your life new. You need to become like Jesus and you need to do what Jesus did Four things. Number one, write it down. You need to give your life to Jesus. Write that down. Give your life to him. So surprise, Christianity is not attending New Chapel. I'm happy that you're here, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is not singing the right songs. It's not singing out the right prayers to God. It's not owning a Bible. It's not even believing in God. The Bible says in the book of James that even the demons believe and shudder. So it's not believing and agreeing that he is God. He already knows. He doesn't need your agreement. What he's looking for is something a little deeper. This is what Jesus says in Mark 8 and verse 34. The Bible says that Jesus called the crowd to him. So I want you to see this. There's a crowd. There's a greater group of people, and they're listening to what Jesus has to say. But he, he, the Bible says it calls the crowd to him along with his disciples. So the Christians, so there's a crowd, the people that are listening to what he has to say, might even be like, well, I like it. I agree with it. But then there's the disciples, two different groups. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, what do you got to do? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It's not agreeing that he's right. He knows that he's right. It's taking up your cross and following him. Verse 35, the Bible says, whoever wants to to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for you to hit that bullseye and lose the eternal things? That's my version. Let me read it. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me or the words that I've I've given, man, in this adulterous and sinful generation, by the way, that's where you're at. The son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his father's glory with all the holy angels. What is this saying? A lot, to be sure. But listen to me. Hone in on this. Salvation, the operative word in all of that, I want you to see this. It's not agreeing that he exists. It's not even saying that he is Lord. It's making him Lord. What does that look like? It's the word surrender. Write this down. Surrender your life to his will and to his ways doesn't it stand to reason that God, if there is an eternal God, that he would have opinions that are different than yours? Otherwise, God is just as big as what you can think. And you're awesome. I'm glad you're here. Go you. You're an awful God. Okay? <laughs> and so, so, like, he's going to have things where, where you have to say my opinion doesn't matter. I, I, I think of it this way, and if I was God, I would do it this way. But I'm not God. And so, God, I'm just going to give up what I think, and I'm going to go for what you think. Surrender to his will and to your ways, God. Have your way. You no longer have this control. You let him control. And you might be in the room right now, and you'd say, well, Pastor Joe, I don't have a relationship with with God like you're describing. In just a minute, at the end of our service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision, to to make Jesus Lord of your life and have a relationship with God. It, it is an eternal decision. I'm excited about that. But it's not about joining New Chapel. It's about joining Jesus. New Chapel might be in your future, but you need Jesus in your life. Can I get an amen, church? Come on, somebody. Yeah. little louder than that. Come on, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Y'all got to sleep in, well caffeinated. Help a brother out. Number two. Be made new by Jesus. So you need to do this surrender thing. You need to have Jesus be the Lord of your life, but then you need to allow him to make you new. Allow him to come into your life. So at surrender, your sin is paid for. And and there's nothing you can do to be right with God. It's just receiving the free gift. So at at surrender, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But you still are coming into this this new life, and you're going to have attitudes you're going to have uh, heart wounds, you're going to have old habits and perspectives all of which aren't godly. And so what you need to do is you need to say, God, I want you to make me new on the inside. You're going to have these old heart wounds and what you need to do is find freedom. And and I like to say it in these four ways and I'm a preacher, so forgive me, so they all start with p, but it's easy to remember. You need you need freedom from your past, you need freedom from your pain, You need freedom from problems, maybe problems that you're currently going through, maybe stuff that kind of gave you a little bit of trauma in the past, and you need freedom from people things. Like some of you had dad wounds, mom wounds, coach wounds, maybe you were abused, taken advantage of, and that wound, it sits on your heart. And and Jesus did not go to a cross with your name on it so that you could live miserable, until you die and go to heaven, No, he wants you to have freedom in the here and now and find freedom from all of that junk. Y'all know what I'm talking about in the house? That's what God has for all of us. And so one of the big things that we need freedom from, and I don't want anyone else to say it, and I'm a pretty frank person, but uh, you need to get the sin out of your life. That stuff's gunking you up. It's messing you up. It's slowing you down. That's something, by the way, you know. I'm not really a sin preacher. You already know it. But there are two ways that I can help. So the first way that the Bible gives us to deal with sin, I want to show it to you in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, so you, you pray to God, you say, God, I did this. I admit it. He is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. So there's only one mediator in between God and man. That's Jesus. So you're like, God, I, I, I did this, and, and I asked for that forgiveness, and God forgives everything, past, present, future. You go to him, and you confess it, that stuff that's gunking you up, making you feel dirty, slowing you down. You know, a lot of people, when they sin, they think that they need, a, they need to pay penance. Friend, that's your old church. That's not what the Bible says. You think you need to run from God for a little bit. You need to pout for a little bit. You need to stumble upon a worship song the next day and, and listen to and be like, well, I don't really deserve this, but I love you, Lord, you know. And then the next day, you're, finally, you're like, okay, a couple days have gone by. The reality is you just forgot about some of the gunk of your sin, and then you're able to pray to God, and that's the opposite of what the Bible conveys. Even though you might feel disingenuous or feel like you're using this process when you sin, the very first thing that you should do is run to Jesus and say, "Hey, I did this. I confess this. I need to be made right in this. Would you forgive me?" And the answer always is, "Yes and Amen." He cleanses that junk, and you can move on. You need forgiveness of sin, even as a Christian. Now, that's going to get your relationship vertically right with God. But there's one little challenge with it. Typically, it's not going to change you. So if you're a habitual sinner or a secret sinner, you've got this thing, you have an iniquity on your life. What's iniquity? It's a sin that's typically passed down through generations. This is no one in the room, so I'll just tell off on myself, but I'm Italian. And so it'd be very easy to say, well, hey, my grandpa was passionate. He had a temper. And my dad, who's passionate. He had a temperance. So I'm Italian. I'm passionate. I have a temper. I don't know if it's a gift or a liability. It is what it is, Pastor Joe. Like, there it is. You might feel that way. But the reality is you can confess that sin and get forgiveness with God. But if you want to change, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. James chapter 5. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I would put it this way. You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to God's people for healing. Well, Pastor that sounds like I'm putting somebody in between in my relationship to God. I'm just reading the Bible. Okay? If you want to be healed from some of these outstanding things, much less just the little stuff that we mess up on, if you want to not do it again, if you're tired of being dominated by this thing, what thing, Pastor The thing that if it wasn't in your life, it'd be a lot better. You're going to have to open up and say, hey... I'm going through this. Two ways I can help. Number one, you need to get in a group with godly friends. Now, that doesn't even have to be part of our small groups here at New Chapel, but it definitely can be. You say, oh, Pastor, I missed that on-ramp. We were, we were busy, and there was practice, and it was back to school, and I didn't show up for the first week. Friend, nobody cares. Show up, ride it like you stole it. Who knows? They might not even notice. Because it's more important to me as your pastor that you get around these godly people than even learn the thing. I want you to learn the thing. I don't think you have to make the discernment in between the two. But if I had to decide as pastor, get with other people. Because the next step is this, and it will not happen right away. If it does happen right away, you're probably that overbearing person that shares too much. But, but you need to get honest, write it down, get, get honest with a few of them. So you got to get into a group with godly friends, and then over time, you're going to build a relationship, and you're going to see somebody else and be like, hey, dude, you got a good marriage, and I can't stop fighting with my wife. Would you pray for me? And, buddy, that's where the breakthrough is. It's not going to be in my right hand getting hot, and I lay hands on you in the altar. It's not going to work. It's going to be when you say, hey, I'm dealing with this, and a friend prays with you, and, buddy, that's when you get healing, and that's what we all need. Last week, Pastor Gabe was here, gave an incredible message. One part that stuck out to me, maybe maybe it stuck out to you too, he was talking about people making decisions. He talked about how we feel when we're making decisions, how there's like a, a good angel and a bad devil on our shoulder and how you get lost in your head a little bit and you get confused. And he said, when that happens, leave it. Come over here, away from the problem. Stop trying to figure everything out. And he said, you just pray and ask God to tell you. He's God. He can get the message through. And I thought, man, I went back there, and we had small group. I said, I needed that. I'm very good at that in my personal life. But as a leader, I'm a cerebral person. I love to be a collaborative leader. I take a lot of people's ideas in. I have weight with them. And I'll play tennis, but sometimes I'll get lost in my own mind. And I'm I'm saying, that was great. Tell me more. And we went deeper. And he, he told off on himself about things that, hey, this is the reason why I know it is because I was like that. And we went back and forth. Here's what I'm trying to say. I had a next step. I have a next step. And, and, and you have a next step, too. God has more for you, and you need someone like I have where I can be real, I can take the mask off, and I can be honest with a godly friend. It's what's going to bring healing in your life. And that leads me to number three, in this next steps culture. It's, it's really based on you. Write it down, number three, becoming like Jesus. You need to become like Jesus. So you need to surrender to him, give your life to him. This is true. You need to allow him to make you new. In other words, you're, you're getting free from the old junk in your past. And, and then you need to become more like him. It's the Bible word, discipleship. So, so it's learning the disciplines of the Christian faith. That's the process of discipleship. You're becoming more like him. And Paul wrote it this way in Galatians 4. Let me read it for us. He says, oh, my dear children, I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again pause for just a second. Y'all look at me. Keep that scripture up there. They're born again. He's saying, you are children of the house. You're, you're going to heaven. I went through labor for you once, you know, and, and women weigh this out. Right. But like Paul, who never had a child, he's saying like, um, um, you're in the kingdom. Do you hear that in there? But then he says this, I think it's going to continue when until Christ is fully developed in your life. So in other words, you're saved, you're going to heaven. But Paul says that's not the finish line, it's the beginning line. He says, You have more, God has more for you. He, he wants you to be fully developed, so you're saved. Great, and you're getting rid of the past. Awesome. Now, look at me, Christian get up off your blessed assurance and grow. Don't be a couch potato. Scattered applause. Let's, let's a little bit better than that. Come on, 10 o'clock. You're like, I don't want to, <laughs> I get it. Grow. Grow, develop. You know, it's different with kids. I'm so surprised when I look at my son. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's a man cub, you know? Like, it's so weird. He's seven, and it's like, oh, I see what you're going to look like when you're grown. But it's not automatic with spiritual growth. Somebody can be saved for 30 years, and you look like Pee Wee Herman in the spirit. You know what I'm saying? You've been saved 30 years, and you got, like, Benjamin Button, spiritually disease going on. You're like, I've been saved 30 years. Look at him, you know? You're losing teeth, you know? It's a, it's, we need to grow. What does that look like? So glad y'all asked. Put up that slide, guys. What does your next step look like? Well, if you're not in relationship with God through Jesus, that's it. You need to accept Christ. You need to get born again. If you've been saved for three minutes or 30 years, but you've never been water baptized, it is the first showing of obedience to a Lord that you follow him in baptism. So Pastor Joe, I'm in my 30s, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, I never got baptized. My friend, never fall prey to the deception that it would have been easier when you were at youth camp when you were 10 than it is when you're 60. You obey God. That's your next step. We have New Chapel Connect. What's that going to do? It's going to help you to find your purpose. New Chapel Grow is going to help you to grow. Join the team. Serve in outreach. Well, I've done all that. Dream with God about your calling. And by the by, the screen isn't big enough to fit all the stuff that could be on there because God has a next step for you. That's what he has. So what part of your life doesn't look like him? What area of your Christian walk of your life are you not letting him in? You need to grow. You need to become more like Jesus. Two practical things. The first is develop these spiritual disciplines. And most of you have heard this or or you can understand, okay, i got to read my Bible. i got to pray more. Uh, I've got to be more consistent with church. I, I need these spiritual disciplines. But the reason why sometimes you choke on these spiritual disciplines is for the second reason, because you haven't discovered your spiritual gifts. Well, what are you talking about? It seems like these are two different things, spiritual gifts and spiritual disciplines. Let me tell you why this matters. God has a call on your life. He has gifted you. He has formed you with a certain bend to do something amazing. And that calling is going to be the thing that fuels you to do the Christian disciplines. When you know why you're reading the Bible, when you know why you're praying, when that has lit a fire underneath you, that's when you want to do it. When do I want to do it? When you know what your spiritual gifting is, when you know what God has called you to do. The more that you focus on what God has called you to do, the more of a disciple you will become. And in your calling, when you are are focusing on that, it fuels the disciplines. It's just how it works. So, for instance, if you make the decision, okay, God, I'm a pretty social person. I have no problem with this. I'll do it. I'm going to host a small group. It's going to stop a lot of fights between you and your spouse. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. When you have 10 people that you know are coming at your door at six o'clock, you're going to be like, look, I love you. I'm too old to fight like this. How young people fight. We need to get right because people are coming. I ain't doing this in front of them. You know what it was like in your 20s where you're like, isn't that right, sweetheart? You know, I mean, we ain't doing that today. We lead the small group. We got to be grown. It will fuel the discipline. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Oh, y'all never fight. Okay. Marriage conference is next. Or the honesty seminar. Number four. (laughs) Guys and angels just hits me with those wings every once in a while. Whap. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of hitting, hitting the right target. Rate it down. Number four, you, you got to do what Jesus did. So you give your life to him. You, you find that freedom in him by, by getting free in, in the, great, the great blessings he has in that way. You also, you also begin to grow and follow the discipleship path, but then you need to do what he did. A lot of churches skip this and they do it on purpose. You know why? It's kind of scary. There's a lot of churches that have a form of godliness, but the Bible says they deny the power therein. There's no power to it. Jesus said, Greater works will you do because I'm going to my Father. And you think, What? I'm going to do greater things than Jesus. I'm just quoting the words of Christ. You need to do what he did. Well, what did he do? I mean, he did a lot, Pastor Joe. What was the primary thing? He was reaching people, and then he called his followers to take the next step and reach people. Let me show it to you. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. The Bible says this. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw Peter and Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you... pause." If I was to complete that, what would I say? What would you say? You'd say, I'm going to make you more godly. Follow me, and I'm going to make you more spiritual. Follow me, I'll make you pray more. And Jesus says, none of that. He says, if you're going to follow me, next scripture it says, I will make you fishers of men. And what happened? They immediately left their nets and followed him. Jesus has this thing that he's going to put in you that whatever your calling is, whatever the aim has uh, that he has for your life, it's going to involve reaching other people for him. Somewhere in it, you're going to be able to use it to be a witness. Whether you are an accountant or you work at the grocery Whether you are a businessman or a stay-at-home mom, God is going to use that target that he put in your life, and he's going to ultimately use it to fish. Fish for what? Write it down. Followers, fish, write it down, for lost people. We say, well, Pastor John, I'm brand new to the church, and uh, I'm a little rough around the edges. That's the way I'm going to put it for I was even crazy last night. And, uh, buddy, you're in good company. This isn't about your perfection, Please don't share that you're perfect with with other people. Share the fact that you're forgiven. Share the fact that, hey, not everything's right, but I've been going by this church and God has changed my life. You should come with me because part of your spiritual growth, and that's what I'm trying to do right now, it involves sharing your seat. Wow. You wouldn't think it, but it's true. Next week is the ideal opportunity for you to do that. We're starting a brand new series that we're calling Abundance. Abundance is a series where we're going to be talking about finances. We haven't taught on finances since 2019. When I do my Easter surveys and I say, hey, what what is piquing your interest? At the top of that list, almost every single time is finances. And I just felt like it wasn't the Lord. It wasn't the right time until now. Now, this isn't going to be a series about you giving money to church. That's not what it's about. Here's what it is about. It's about a government that can't lead their way out of a wet paper bag that ate up all of your last raise in inflation. That tells me you need this series and so do I. It's talking about a world that, that wants 30% down for a mortgage and wants you to have 100% of the first payments. in the Well, why? Interest rates are going through the roof and bankers are bankers. We're going to talk about how you can make money, how you can spin the plate of survival and get ahead in life. And I have wisdom from God's word that's going to unlock stuff in you. And it's the ideal week to bring somebody along with you because they're going through it. As long as they live in America right now, there's a crunch, right? Are you with me, everybody? Now, I have to press on, but I need to say this. I want to give a little pause in the sermon and give a state of the union on three services. Here's how it's going. The last two weeks that we've done it have been some of our all-time highest attended services on non-event weeks and on event weeks. Let me tell you why that happened. If you've attended 830 or 1130 in the past, you might be like, where is everybody? Well, they came to the 10. If you look around, they put rows. I can see it right now. They put rows out right now. The idea with opening up a third service is that at this like 10, 11 o'clock window, when most people who are visitors are likely to attend, that we would create space. And we knew this would happen. Y'all came, and you filled up the 10 o'clock. And so here's what I need. We are growing and rapidly, but I need more space in this service. If you're a visitor, if you're new to church, I'm not even talking to you just yet. This is family business. I need 8 to 10 people who don't really care if they have to wake up early or 8 to 10 people who don't care if they're going to wake up late and go to the 1130 to switch services to make room in this service for more visitors to be able to have a spot. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you're willing to wake up a little bit earlier and go to the 830 and you currently attend the, the 10 o'clock, can you lift your hand? I need 8 to 10 people to do it. 1, two, three, four, five, six, four more. Put your hands down. 7, 8... Nine. <laughs> I'm going to hold out. I was raised Baptist, everybody. I feel like there's one more. <laughs> one more, one more, one more. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to go to, from the 10 o'clock to the 1130 and sleep in a little bit more, there's a special place in heaven for you. I'm just telling you. If you're willing to do that, I need eight to ten people. Raise your hand. Oh, wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Put your hands down. Thank you. God's pleased with those people and no one else. Okay. Just kidding. Just (laughs) Joshua. Write it down. We believe that followers serve. Followers serve, and that's what you just did. Thank you. It's going to make room for more people to connect with God. Now, you say, Pastor Joe, how do I get that shock off my face? How do I hit the right target? Here it is, John's Gospel, chapter 15. This is Jesus. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So there's a production value to your faith. You're not saved by works, but you're saved to great things. He says, showing yourself to be my disciples. So if you're a follower, followers are going to have this, this fruitfulness. And he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be. Here it is. You're missing something. There's something about your Christian faith you will never get until you're serving someone that can't pay you back. And until you are doing that, until there's this fruitfulness thing, you're just not going to understand. God has more. Now, some of you have lost joy, lost passion, and you're working harder than ever before to find that fulfillment, but you're focused on the wrong target. You think that the next sale, the next promotion, the next house is going to make you fulfilled, and it won't. Your fulfillment comes from God and it comes from this fruitfulness. What does it look like? Give your life to Jesus. You you need to allow your life to be made new by Jesus. You need to become like Jesus and then you need to do what Jesus did. If you want to hit the right target, engage in this process and then you'll be able to say, I'm just getting started. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church. God, I know that there's people that are being ministered to right now on their next step. God, I pray that they'd be bold to take their next step. God, there's people that have decisions. I pray that they would would face these decisions with boldness and they wouldn't get lost in confusion. They'd just obey the voice of God. Father, I know that there's people that are held in bondage to old iniquity, old sin, and they want to be free. God, I pray that they'd find the right people. No judgy Christians, they'd find the people that care. And Father, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for one more minute. If that's you and your life's not right with God, don't leave something so important as eternal salvation to chance. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to give you that opportunity. Now, church, I want you to pray it with those people who are praying this for the first time. Support them because the Bible says that when we call on that name, we avoid hell, we get an eternal life in heaven, but we're also made new in the here and now. Pray this with me out loud and proud. Pray it with me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven you raised him from the dead this I believe so with my heart and with these words I confess Jesus is my Lord come into my life forgive my sin put your spirit within me I receive all that you have for me Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at Newchapel.